1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match, limited by state law.
0: One, two, three, four. Hello, and welcome into the twenty-four-seven sports football recruiting podcast. I'm national recruiting analyst Cooper Tagg alongside twenty-four-seven sports director of scouting Andrew Ivans, and we are on our way. I think as we speak to sunny Los Angeles, California, for the Elite Eleven Finals to see some of the best quarterbacks in the country. The top 20 signal callers as chosen by the Elite 11, not by our rankings, will be in action this week at Redondo Union High School in Southern California. So, Drew, a lot of storylines coming into this week and a lot to talk about, my friend. I know you and I are going to be busy, looking forward to a big week in California, but Let's jump right into it. I mean, is there one storyline that you have circled coming into this week that you're anxious to kind of see play out?
1: Wait, can I point out real fast that I don't know if it's going to be sunny. I looked at the weather. Your boy went uh, hoodie pullover shopping on Sunday in preparation. I think it's going to be a little cool at night when these uh, workouts are going on. So might be sunny for you. I, I mean, it's like 98 degrees in Fort Lauderdale right now. So in my office,
0: uh, because we're a little bit crunched for space, I got a, I got a new roommate, my wife, right in this two bedroom apartment. But what's funny is that I'm looking, and I have my, I have all my pullovers and my hoodies right over here to the side. So right when you said that, I mean, I was looking at it. It's probably going to be like low 60s at night. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what it seems like, right? Yeah, Florida boy over here is going to be uh, bundled. You down. and I both. I, we're going to melt out there, uh, or, and it's going to get really cool. So we might have to. Double layer up. But back back to the question at hand, Ger, what's what's on the top of mind for the Elite 11 Finals?
1: Well, I would encourage all listeners to check out 247sports.com because um, we did a, a group roundtable, kind of all the analysts that are going to be out there in LA for the Elite 11 Finals. And, you know, just everyone outlined and, and tackled a, a bunch of different subjects. And I think it was a really fun preview for the event, right? A lot of names are mentioned, Um, But by far, one of the better questions was, what is the big storyline? And for me, I said it's Dylan Rayola versus Ryan Puglisi, right? These are two Georgia commits. Everyone knows Dylan Rayola, right? He is in the pole position, number one in the rankings, a five-star, one-time Ohio State commit, was linked to Nebraska, Nebraska. USC ends up committing to Georgia. Everyone kind of assumes he's the quarterback of the future, but when you start digging in a little more to Ryan Puglisi, I don't know if the gap is really that big. And I know Cooper, you've kind of hinted at this in the past, and I'm I'm on board here, right? Like I, I'm I'm kind of feeling Puglisi heading into this event. I I think he has a chance to shine in this setting. He's got a prototypical frame uh, and I think he's got a monster of an arm and I think that'll shine during these drills I think it could shine during the pro day if they do the long ball toss my my money's on him to win it you know there's reports out there that he can throw the football 73 yards in the air Uh, also uh, used to be a a, a talented baseball player I should say he still is but he isn't going to play baseball in college but a guy that's touching 93 94 miles per hour on the mound so I think for me, I, I want to see these two kind of duke it out because I think Ryan Puglisi is going to show up in L.A. and he's going to want people to know that he is coming for Dylan Rayola. Right? He was committed first to the Bulldogs. Hey, I'm not scared of him, and I think you know that little rivalry, that little quarterback competition, could play out before our eyes starting you know on on Wednesday night.
0: We've mentioned this on on a previous episode, especially talking about Dylan Rayola. I actually think it was the emergency episode of of Dylan Rayola right after he committed to the Georgia Bulldogs and Kirby Smart. But what's interesting about Rayola and Ryan Puglisi is Kirby Smart's track record at Georgia in terms of playing the best option that gives Georgia the best chance to win, and that that hasn't always been what the public perceives as the best option, right? JT Daniels, former five-star transfer from USC. A lot of people thought he was going to get the nod. That wasn't the case. Stetson Bennett, fast forward, two consecutive national championships. Jacob Eason from Seattle, Washington, had a little bit of an injury bug there, enough to open the door for a guy like Jake Front. Justin Fields as well, correct? Right, so... There hasn't been a void of talent at the quarterback position for Georgia. But at the end of the day, it has been somewhat of a surprise to see the players that have risen to the occasion. And I think Ryan Puglisi, in his own right, is certainly talented enough. And Dylan Rayola, and sure, we're we're maybe talking anywhere from two to three years down the line. Dylan Rayola is without a doubt the most talented passer in this class there's only two quarterbacks in the top 32 right now. Jaden Davis is the other. He's ranked at 29, committed to Michigan. It's going to be a big week for him, but that's neither here nor there. You talk about that gap. I I think it just comes down to what's between the ears, the cerebral part, right? And I don't want to say the physical traits are awash because they're not, but Puglisi is certainly equipped with the physical traits to play at a high level at the University of Georgia. So I, I do think that is something that a lot of people aren't talking about. It's a big week for him. You know, he plays his football in New England, at, in the state of Connecticut. This is a This is a really, I would say, prime opportunity for him to show out amongst his peers.
1: I agree. All right, let me turn it around, throw it right back to you. Your biggest storyline heading into the Elite 11 Finals. My biggest
0: storyline is, you know, I just mentioned it. There's only two quarterbacks as it stands right now inside the top 32. But who are the challengers? Who are the players that we walk away from after this week in California and say, okay, maybe there's a little bit more there than what we expected. And, And to me, Andrew, I think between you and I and the rest of our group, we've done our due diligence and coming into the week, I think I have a pretty good feel, right? I think those names are C.J. Carr of Notre Dame, D.J. Lagway of Florida, and Luke Cromanoke of Florida State. I love this pod right here. This pod to me is 33 through 50. I think all three of these guys have top 32 traits. But maybe there's a question mark or somewhat of a hesitation on our end to promote these guys into the top 32 and in that field of five-star talent now. I think you and I had a long discussion. You you brought it up on DJ Lagway. There's a guy that you wanted to to bet on, right, three or four years down the line. I think DJ Lagway, three-sport athlete, multi-sport with a background in baseball and in basketball. I was on Twitter today, and I saw a statistic that he clocked over 22 miles per hour at game speed.
1: Yeah, I saw that graphic making the Now, rounds. listen,
0: that's – some hesitation on my end, right? But it just goes to show what type of athlete that DJ Lagway is. Now, in terms of the arm talent, Andrew, I know Anthony Richardson is a name that you brought up. I think more so in trying to paint a picture of how physically gifted DJ Lagway is. We're not saying DJ Lagway is is Anthony Richardson. So there's Carr, who is very polished. I think he is built for this event. There's DJ Lagway who has top thirty-two traits, and that we might even be be conservative there saying that <laughs> it's like top ten traits. Correct. And then there's Luke Cromanoke, who is arguably my favorite quarterback of this class, who has consistently risen up the boards for us as of late. And the name that I gravitate to when it comes to player comparisons is Ryan Tannehill. Both former receivers. Similar athletic build. Tannehill at 6'4". at Oak at 6'3". And when you turn on the tape of Croman Oak, you see a guy that's built for the RPO, quick release, live arm, and he is a three-level passer that can change velocities and play with touch. I love the upside of Croman Oak. I think he's going to have a very impressive week. So to me, I think, you know, we need to preach patience as we always do in the evaluation process, but I would not be surprised whether if it's one of these names, two of these names that we come away from and say, okay, we feel like we got the ammunition to kind of move these guys into that, that five-star realm.
1: So let me, let me handicap it how I see these guys. Went back through, dug into all, all 20 of the of the finalists and some of the other quarterbacks that are in in the top of our rankings because we are going to shuffle the arms right we we have laid that out hey after the elite 11 finals that's when we're going to make our moves with the quarterbacks here in the 2024 rankings and to me dj lagway out of texas the the florida commit as you've noted i think he is a lottery ticket with a massive massive payout right and i think with dj lagway who is is still developing as a passer now he has a a cannon for an arm um i don't know if this is going to be the setting where he shines i think where we really see him take off will be on the field as a senior now with that being said if dj lagway goes out and is able to trade throws with some of these other high profile guys right I think that's going to say a lot, right? I think that's going to be the eyebrow raiser, right? I want to see if he's able to do that. Is he is he able to hold his own next to a Dylan Rayola? Is he able to hold his own next to a Jaden Davis? That's that's what I'm excited about. Because I think tools, traits, all that stuff, frame, is, he's going to be one of the prettiest girls at the dance, if not the prettiest, right? Uh, I mean, there's going to be a lot of eyes on him when they initially take that field on Wednesday. And everyone's going to be like, all right, like this guy – looks different. And that's kind of what it was like two years ago when Drew Aller showed up to the Elite 11 Finals, right? Talking about a big frame quarterback, big arm. And I remember that's when kind of the hype train around Drew Aller really started. So that that's what I think about Lagway. Luke Cromanoke, you've stolen my Ryan Tannehill comparison. I think what makes him unique is he's just a one-year starter, right? He is someone that played defensive back, he played wide receiver early on in his prep career. And the reason he did that is because he was backing up another elite 11 uh, finalist and Holden Gurner, who ended up signing with Auburn, right? So uh, instead of transferring to another school, which is what we see a ton of kids do, he says, no, I'm going to, I'm going to wait it out. Wait, my turn ends up leading his team to a, four a state title uh, as a junior in his first year as a starter. I think he has one of the higher ceilings of this group. I think he's, A natural passer of the football, and he's he's very athletic. I love the way he moves in the pocket. I love how he throws on the run. Uh, I think Florida State got a steal in him, and I know Florida State feels this way as well. I was talking with some of their staff members uh, when they were working at the camp at FAU last week, and I said, Hey, you know, you're your quarterback, and they're like, Man, how how good is he? And I I think FSU kind of got lucky. You know, he camped when he did, they got him committed, and then his. His, his stock has just continued to rise. And uh, the final guy you mentioned, who was it? Uh, CJ Carr. Um, I every, agree with everything you said. I mean, he is the grandson of, obviously, Lloyd Carr, a former Michigan coach. I, I think um, I have seen him this offseason. He is impressed. He's got the frame. And I think the X factor for him in L.A., is going to be that competitive edge. And and why do I mention that? I go back to the National Combine. This would have been two years ago in San Antonio. Um, I was standing with one of our good friends, Tom Loy, covers Notre Dame for 24-7 sports. And we were just chopping it up with, with CJ Carr. I really didn't know much of anything about him. But man, he's a guy that is well aware of who everyone is around him in terms of uh, his peers and some of those other uh, quarterbacks and he wants to be the best. And I, I think he's going to be a guy that is fighting for a spot at the front of the line. Like he's going to, he's, he's going to embrace this moment, right? Um, whether that be, Hey, you know, put me last in the pro day or something so I can match this score. Like I think he kind of thrives on all of that. We saw it in the state playoffs this past year. I, I, enc- I Cooper, you were on the call. I encouraged all of our guys Right, that have any questions about CJ Carr, put on what he did against what was it, Bellevue in in the Michigan State playoffs. I mean, he is simply, you know, his team is overwhelmed, right? And he's out there making plays off script. So I I think you are spot on with all three of those guys. You know, I think they are some challengers, some guys that can move up into that top thirty two. And it's it's a fun and exciting group because I think all those guys, like we said, have, have a ton of upside.
0: If you're looking for a little bit more and are enjoying this conversation, make sure to check out 247sports.com for the Elite 11 Roundtable. Our friends Greg Biggins, Bud Elliott, Blair and Gulo, Steve Wilfong, all on there chiming in with their opinions as well. Andrew, this one is a little bit redundant in terms of the question, but which signal caller are you most excited to see compete? I think you just gave an excellent argument for CJ Carr, the Notre Dame commit
1: and why you're fired up to see him. But uh,
0: anything else we've
1: talked about? the? I, I said it with Lagway, right? With Lagway, I, I don't think this is the element that he is built for, right? He's a guy that it doesn't matter if he's just, in shoulder. Like some guys, if not in shoulder pads and a helmet, like it's really fun to watch them throw a football, right? Like those guys are built for this type of setting. I don't think that's that's DJ Lagway. You mentioned the speed numbers and all that stuff. Um, but if, if DJ Lagway is able to go out there and, you know, be in the, in the top half, you know, be in the, uh, w- compared to everyone else, I think it's going to say a lot. And I, I don't know if you feel that way. So he's, he's the one that I wrote in the story that I I'm excited. There's some others, but I just chose him.
0: What I like about DJ Lagway is when you turn on the tape, that's where you come away the most impressed. I don't know how you feel about him, but you, you had texted me, I think you, you kind of had the inkling about a week ago when we started to pour over the tape again to get ready for this event. And you had texted me and said, Hey, I, I feel really strongly about DJ Lagway. And at that time, I remember, I think I was, I was checkered on my evaluation. There were some things that I liked. There were some things that had maybe concerned me and I went back and and made sure to really kind of invest some time in him. Because obviously you do that, especially when there's somebody that respects that has that evaluation. And I think I came back more closer to your final, I would say, um, your 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 final grade on Lagway, if you want to call it that, right? Um, or opinion. Stance. And here's. Here's a guy's stance, right? Six foot three, over two hundred and twenty pounds. We talked about the multi-sport athleticism.
1: Well, we haven't, we haven't with him. I mean, he's, you he's know, a
0: legitimate baseball prospect.
1: Right, right. And I think we need to preface that by saying, you know, yeah, recent NFL, so recent. Well, now your watch is talking to us. Recent, recent NFL draft trends. A lot of these quarterbacks selected are are legit multi-sport guys, and Lagway is is one of the few in here that has an opportunity to play another sport at the next level, right? He's a a baseball kid. Um, What do you have Texas A&M. I think LSU offers. I think Florida, last time he was on campus or one of the most recent times, he was talking with the baseball coaches there. Dylan Rayola, another guy with a baseball background. Uh, Luke Cromanoke, we mentioned him. Ryan Puglisi, uh, he is one of three invites or one of three kids ever to be invited to the Elite 11 Finals. And the area code games, which is a big time baseball thing. So I I didn't want to get sidetracked there, but yes, the multi sport with Lagway I think is certainly notable.
0: To me, the best way to describe him is he's a gamer with physical traits that have yet to fully develop, which is ideal in a quarterback prospect, right? That means they have some semblance of football instincts. And for Lagway, you know, the other thing you take into consideration. That's a, it's an admirable plus. He was a 55 percent passer as a sophomore. He was 67 percent in the same category as a junior. So a 12 a percent completion jump. That's something you want to see. You want the arrow up as these guys start to enter their college career. Andrew, on the other side of this, for me, I, it, it's pretty simple. You know, I've talked about him at length already, but Luke Cromonuk. I mean, that's to me. The reason I'm so excited about him is I think he has a chance to put himself in the category of not Dylan Rayola, but in that top 32 conversation. And I think he can firmly cement himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the country with a very productive week.
1: I agree. I agree. I mean, I I was at his second start ever when he, when his team came down to play Miami Columbus. And I think I, uh, I came out of that thinking who is a dude we jacked him up in the rankings and um you know look he's here at the elite 11 finals and talking with some of the or or just hearing some of the feedback from the elite 11 staff which obviously runs the event selects the kids i i think he is pretty high in their rankings right now i, I would not be surprised if he is one two three somewhere up there uh and, and the way it works is these kids show up in los angeles at the finals and they are they're already stacked, right? They, they, they take into account what the kids have done at the prep level and how they have looked at the regionals. Uh, Coop, I know we've hit on a, a number of different quarterbacks. Maybe someone that's a little off the wall that you're excited to, to see here. Uh, I, I got a name written down and it might be the same as, as yours. So who, who you got?
0: It was fascinating when we put this article together. You can, you can see everybody else's work, but what I did, I opened another document because I didn't want to, I didn't want there to be overlap. And I think there's something like us, right? Like fraternal twins. It's like, all right, we, we work together so much. We do this podcast three times a week. We spend a lot of time on the phone with each other, even outside of work. I think we're thinking a lot, our, our thoughts are becoming one. Sometimes that's not a good thing in, in, in the evaluation process, but in this case, I think it's a positive. And for me, that's Trevor Jackson, right out of West Orange in the state of Florida. There are a number of different reasons why I think Trevor Jackson is going to be a name that is going to continue to rise after the Elite 11 finals. But you're talking about a guy six foot three, an ideal frame. He's the youngest of the participants in the field out of the 20 arms that will be invited to. Los Angeles and it's a it's a live arm, it's a raw arm, but when you turn on the tape, I think there's a lot that you come away with that you feel is yet to be developed and I think undoubtedly his best football is ahead of him and I and I wrote about it in the article. But there was a guy last year that was I, I would say of similar form and that was Jackson Smolick who at the time I believe was a two lane pledge to Willie yes. Fritz. Ends up going to the Elite 11 finals, earning a spot there from the state of Iowa. An outstanding evaluation by Willie Fritz and his staff performs well. You have everything that happens with Marcus Stokes in Penn State. The Nittany Lions then had to have to pivot, and they end up, to me, I, I think, with one of the biggest coups in the class in Jackson Smolick. I think that's exactly not, not the same path per se but i think trevor jackson is going to be the name that could potentially benefit the most out of any other quarterback there
1: yeah i've i've long been a fan of of trevor and what you didn't mention about him is he is the youngest or the second youngest quarterback out here he is just 16 years old um and usually what you see is a lot of these quarterbacks are held back and and that is not the case with with trevor jackson and He's a kid. I was at his spring game. Um, I've seen him throw at a, a variety of different seven-on-seven seven tournaments. I've seen him throw for college coaches. I, I agree with you. Uh, in you know, I, I know it's not my job to bring the juice. That is that is Steve Wilfong, but he did take a vit, uh, visit to Pittsburgh, um, official visit at the beginning of June. He's also going to get to Missouri at the end of the month. Just camped at Texas A&M. Man, it seems like Texas A&M is linked to like any quarterback with a pulse right now, uh, or, or with a chance to play at the power five level, but you're right, Cooper, every year there is one quarterback that isn't really known nationally that has a chance to, or elevates their stock, right. For a, one reason or another, uh, some, some spot come up, comes open and, you know, a lot of college evaluators, right. And I, I, you mentioned this in the story, like if, if, you know, fans follow this, but the colleges are following it too, right? You know, there are recruiting departments that are tracking this, and sometimes that's enough for them to make a move, right, and and go get that guy who uh, looks good at the Elite 11 Finals. I'm not saying Trevor Jackson is C.J. Stroud, right? But when C.J. Stroud showed up to the 2019 uh, Elite 11 Finals, which coincided with the opening finals, I think he had offers from Baylor and, like, Cal, He ended up leaving with tenders from a variety of different schools and goes on to sign with the Buckeyes. So there is an avenue for these guys to, I don't want to say like make money, uh, but, you know, get get more opportunities and more suitors. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the
0: 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I remember
0: you and I talking about Trevor Jackson when he first kind of boasted on the scene and he got that early Texas A&M offer. And I remember the list at the time. I I don't know if it was a list of
1: top schools. FAU is on there.
0: Right, but it was like FAU. I want to say Tulane was in the mix, right? App State. Appalachian State. And I said, I I remember saying the offer list now, or not even the offer list, the, the list of top programs that he's considering is going to be completely different once you fast forward through the spring, through the summer evaluation period. And I think... That's certainly going to continue to be the case with Trevor Jackson. Drew, I thought this was a really good question that the article that that we addressed in the article, but is there a quarterback you wish had been invited to the finals that we're not going to see this week?
1: I mean, I could have I could have went on and on and on, right? Um I, I wrote down Marco De Villa. Uh, the Purdue commit who is inside our top two, four, seven. He's there in the state of Texas, former TCU commit. um, After Garrett Riley leaves Fort Worth for Clemson, uh, he opens up the recruitment. I I think a handful of schools had offered. I I know Miami was one of them. And then he quickly um, ends up uh, again, committing to the Boilermakers. A lot of Texas flavor, at this elite 11, which isn't surprising, right? It's, it's a quarterback hotbed, the Lone Star State, but he's a guy that me personally, I, I wish he would have been there. Cause I, I don't think I'd, I'm ever going to have a chance to maybe size him up in person. I mean, who knows, maybe at one of these all-star uh, events come season seasons end. but it would have been nice to watch him throw alongside some of these other guys, right. Uh, it, for him to take the reps. How does he how does he handle himself? Is he a guy that shells up? Is he a guy that takes the coaching? So he's one for me. What about you, Cooper? Because there were some interesting uh, responses. It, it was kind of all over the place. It was it was it was a fun question. I went with Walker
0: White, the Auburn commit out of Arkansas. And and to me, this was a guy when we got asked to do comparisons during NFL draft season for some of the top prospects in the draft. I thought it was a pretty fine comparison for a guy like Will Levis out of Kentucky he ended up being the first pick of the second round for the Tennessee Titans. And the reason the comparison for Levis I think works is you have Walker White, six foot three, two 215 pounds, and when you see him broad chest a, a guy that carries his frame exceptionally well, very lean, muscular, rocket arm, very explosive, high-velocity thrower, but there's some gaps in his game, right? I think from an accuracy standpoint, career completion percentage hovering around 53%. You'd like to see that improve. That hadn't improved from a sophomore to junior year. So I think that's setting up for, I would say, a pivotal year in the evaluation process for for Walker White. And, you know, to pull the curtain back a little bit, Andrew, we had a very in-depth conversation on our rankings call about quarterbacks coming into this event. And Walker White was the one guy that I would say outside of the top 64 that there was somewhat of a consensus in saying and admiring the fact that here's a player with top 32 traits at the position, very raw, needs to continue to develop, but we really like the athlete and we really like the arm. He's a guy that I would love to see not only for the reason to impress and, and, and boost his stock, I think for players like him, these type of events and the exposure to these type of events and coaching that you're going to have at the Elite Eleven finals, I think it only benefits him. He 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 was definitely definitively the one player I would have loved to see at this event.
1: Two more. I mean, I know you're you're fans of of both these guys. I, I didn't throw them in the article, but like Chedric Bailey, uh, who's committed to North Carolina State, and then Aaron Philo, who was committed to Georgia Tech. Um, I guess I didn't realize Chedric is so young, and we've discussed in the past the frame he has and and what he has done at and Madonna Prep, throwing to guys like Jeremiah Smith and, and Josiah Trader, who are two uh, blue chip pass catchers i i do think we might have a chance to see chedrick at the ot7 finals i I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing for one of those teams out there and then aaron Philo, you liked him at the elite 11 regional in atlanta um he's a has prolific stats there and a lower classification in in the peach state but i thought hey maybe like you know he would sneak in with an invite Uh, i thought that was possible what about you who's who's the guy that you were kind of hoping would be here or besides anyone besides white uh, not really.
0: I mean, I like I like those two names that that you brought up, uh, especially Bailey. I think he's intriguing, right? Uh, six foot five, I think, hovering around six foot six. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, long. He's... Uh, and, and you said it. I mean, he, he's throwing the ball uh, to guys like Jeremiah Smith and Josiah Trader. So it, I don't want to say it muddies the evaluation, but you turn on the tape of, of Bailey and it's like. You instantly kind of want to slap the raw label on him. And then you look, you start doing your homework and you're like, wait, this guy completed 72% of his passes. He had an excellent TD to INT ratio. So there's a lot to like there. I got to see Philo a couple weeks ago in Atlanta. I really liked his game. I think that's a huge gift for Brent Key. I think for me, the two Oregon quarterbacks would have been really interesting to see. Yeah. You know, I Michael Van Buren's a guy I think, you know, we've kind of been up and down on. And the other quarterback, I'm blanking on the name. Luke, Luke Moga? Mo, yeah. yeah, Luke Moga, really good athlete. Another guy in terms of studying him, the whole picture, had some concerns about accuracy issues, right? That was the big red flag there. So I think those two as well. But it, listen, I, I will say this, like in terms of the events that we see between the job that Billy Tucker does at UC Report with these ESPN camps and the job that Brian Stumpf does, with the lead 11. He's got he's got a very very professional and very good staff. And I think I, I think these guys do a, an incredible job, especially in the selection process and the evaluation process and how they choose to weight it.
1: All right, Coop, what what about maybe a guy that isn't I mean, we don't even have like a a big 5 or like a big 6 group of quarterbacks, but maybe someone that you think will make noise and, and kind of catch people by surprise, right? I, I think that's a little bit, you know, or is that similar to the Trevor Jackson question? Uh but I I have a few names written down here. Sure. I
0: I think for me, we haven't talked about him and he really wasn't mentioned in the article. But a guy that I think I've I've just had a I've had a feeling right in my gut. It's a very subjective feeling when you turn on the tape is elijah brown out of modern day right the the more you learn about elijah brown i think the more you you start to trust his resume and it's not just the resume i mean when you watch the film i think from a cerebral processing anticipation accuracy standpoint from a three-level standpoint i love elijah brown and we always say this about certain quarterbacks you know he doesn't wow you physically but i also I'm also very confident he can make every throw on the field. And him playing in a competitive setting over the last three years at Modern Day, I believe his record's 29 and one.
1: 29 and one, nine and one against Max Preps top 25 teams, and I always follow that up by saying that one loss came to St. Uh, to 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 Bosco. I mean, he played good enough to win that game, right?
0: He's the player in the quarterback that I think often gets overlooked because, you know, where we have him right now inside the top 40, knocking on the door of five star status, he's not like the other guys, right? I, I didn't mention him in the same conversation as CJ Carr, DJ Lagway, Luke Cromanoke. Those guys have a little bit of everything when it comes to physical traits and enough on tape that you feel like they can really work into that top 32 conversation. Elijah Brown is what Elijah Brown has been over the last three years, and I think what he's going to continue to be as a senior at modern day. And I love his game. I love what he brings to the table. I understand it's not sexy, but quarterback is certainly one of those positions where physical traits can be overvalued and the ability between the ears can be consistently overlooked. And in terms of what he can do physically, there's not a lot of questions. Sure, does he need to be in the right scheme? Absolutely. But in terms of what's between the ears and and what we've seen on tape, I think undoubtedly he has the best resume of any, of any player at the position. So I love him. Another guy that I would mention that you know, we haven't really talked about a lot. Daniel Kalin going to Nebraska. I, I love the pivot from Matt Rule after Dylan Rayola chose the Georgia Bulldogs, and this was a guy in state that obviously had a lot of familiarity with at Bellevue West. But you start to really kind of dive into this guy. He's big. He's physical. Six foot three plus. He's got a live arm. The ball comes out quickly. You know, the workout in Ohio at the Elite 11 regionals, there were some good things. There were some things that need to be cleaned up. But if you're Nebraska, I mean, this is – you take this guy 10 out of 10 times, right, twice on Sunday. So I like Daniel Kalen. I don't know if I'm I'm expecting him to sneak up on anybody, but I think this is a guy we're going to come away from. More exposure than we've ever had. You're going to see the size. You're going to see the arm and you're going to end up liking him more than I think you expected.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. It's like, I like the idea of him. Am I going to come out of this liking him even more, or am I going to be like, all right, that's kind of what I thought he was? I I think Kalen falls into that category. Since we're kind of just like jumping around here, um, Haas Haney and DeMond Williams, two quarterbacks, I I think. I don't want to say like (laughs) – all right, if there was like betting odds for the MVP, right? You went to a ticket window and like you you're just looking for a long shot, man. I would I would take both these guys. And l- let me tell you why. Haas Haney. I hope I'm saying that right. It has a spelling pronunciation Haney. on it. Haney. 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 Uh headed to TCU. We mentioned it with Luke Cromano, guy that came, played a different position. Well, Haas was a wide receiver, right? And then he takes over um at his school as the, as the starting quarterback, uh, as a junior loses his first two games, goes on to win his team, a state title in, in the Lone Star State. Um, this guy's fun, right? We always say it fun, fun player. Haas is fun. Okay. He is under six foot. He knows he's under six foot, um, but he's a really good athlete. Dad played football at TCU. Mother ran track and played basketball for the Horn Frogs. Uh, I read some article. I think it was in the Athletic. Uh, when Haas was a kid, his parents would just drop him off in, in Gary Patterson's office, and he'd be e- eating peanut M and Ms. Um, but this guy's a, this guy's a game breaker, right? He He's small. He can run, right? He that is his game, running the football, RPOs, and all that stuff. But I, I kind of like him as a passer. Like he pushes the ball down the field. I think he's a little bit of a bulldog. Like I think he's going to get in there. And and he's not gonna be afraid of, of Dylan Rayola, he's not gonna be afraid of CJ Carr. Um, so I'm I'm fired up to kind of see him. I know Gabe Brooks, our, our guy in the state of Texas, is a big fan of of Haas. Um, and I, I just think he fits TCU and and Brandon Huffman put it in the story, and I thought it was pretty funny. He's like, Yeah, the last time you know, TCU had a quarterback in in Los Angeles. It didn't it didn't go too well, um, and he was referring to Max Duggan against the Georgia Bulldogs in the college football playoff. But uh, Haas has a chance to ease things over uh, for TCU fans and, and and remind them that bright days could be ahead with him under quarterback. And then and then Demond Williams. I mean, I don't know which one's more athletic. They're not going to do testing out there. It's either Haas or or Demond. Demond's dad played at Michigan State. Um, this kid uh, runs relays on the track, uh, electric uh, testing numbers for a quarterback. He too is undersized, but he can spin it. He actually has some of the best passing numbers when you look at some of the advanced statistics. You know, in terms of yardage, uh, yards per attempt, interception rate. He's 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 got passing marks in all all of those categories, which I think would surprise a lot. And I think the notable nugget with Demond is um, he. Beat Dylan Rayola twice last season and and route to a, a a state title there in the state of Arizona. So uh, he's headed to Ole Miss. I think he uh, will, you know, potentially put up some big numbers in, in Lane Kiffin's offense if you if he gets a chance. Who knows how many quarterbacks will be there with Lane taking anything and everything from the transfer portal. So those are two other guys I just just want to bring to light.
0: Hoss Haney is. He's a fun one, and I, I don't want to take anything away from him. He might be one of those guys that has a very solid career playing the quarterback position on Saturdays, but as soon as it's time to get into the full scope of the evaluation process come NFL draft, and 4-4-6, sub-10-900 meter, he had over 1,200 yards rushing last year, and don't get it twisted. I
1: mean, he can he can spin the rock. Like he he might be like, if I had to rank these guys, like, all right, I want this guy to be on my quarterback, he'd be there. Now, I'm not an NFL front office, but I'm on board. And my, my player comparison for him is is Derek King, right? Former Houston quarterback who returned kicks, played a little wide receiver early on, ends up at Miami. Um, I think he made a training camp. Then he was in, I don't know, one of these leagues, the XFL. Uh, what, what, what what leagues do we got going on now? And then I just saw now he's an offensive analyst at SMU for Rhett Lashley. So I, I agree with your assessment. Saturday player, I don't know about a Sunday player.
0: I'll go McSorley. And I'll okay. say this. I, I, I think the projection or receiver on Sundays is a clean one. Like, I think Hoss Haney can be a viable he, slot receiver. He
1: had, he had like 600 yards on varsity as a freshman receiving.
0: There you go. That's what I'm saying, right? So, I mean, there, there's already the cross training there. He's familiar with the position. I think it's going to be a, a easy suggestion to make when the time comes. If it does happen, who knows? He might get a shot at the quarterback position. Maybe he blows us away this weekend. Drew, is there a guy that, you know, you talk about betting a lot, right? <laughs> is there a guy that you would... Be willing to push the chips in for this event, and say, "Hey, this is the guy that I'm riding with."
1: Ah, <laughs> well, all right. If we're going to handicap this, right? Like, I Rayola is the odds-on favorite, right? Let's apply this to the if this was like the U.S. Open, right? Who's the U.S. Who has the best odds for the U.S. Open right now? Is it like Scheffler or is it Rom? One of the two. Okay, so he's he's that, right? But when I'm betting golf tournaments, I'm not looking, you know, I'm looking for that little that juice. All right. I would want to see what CJ Carr's number is. Okay. If I'm getting plus value there, I'm taking a flyer. And then and the, this is a name we haven't I, I think Luke is a, a good one as well. No, fits fits the course, the conditions. Someone we haven't mentioned at all, Air Noland. And this is this podcast is pretty air pro Air Noland. Uh I think he's the only lefty there. I'm shooting from the hip. I, yes, he is the only lefty there, right? Correct. Yeah, okay. First time I thought about that live on air. <laughs> so it's gonna be a little bit different, right? In terms of, it, you know, when he goes through the scripted pro day, when he throws at some of these targets, it's it's a little bit different. Uh, you know, I think he's competitive. He has as good of a resume as everyone else out here. We're talking about, the quarterback headed to Ohio State. I think he's one. I know you asked for one name, but I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just rattling them off. Uh, I don't We're know on the
0: same frequency. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll add to it. You know what stood out to me the last two MVPs at the Elite Eleven Finals: Jackson Arnold and Cade Klubnik. And I wrote in the article that I feel that both of those guys had an it factor. Whatever it is, Jackson Arnold and both Cade Klubnick had that about him. But it's pretty fascinating, right? When you you think about what gets weighted in the Elite 11 scope of it. Coming into that event last year outside of Dante Moore, I, I would have told you Jackson Arnold is probably the guy that you would give the label to as the biggest gamer. And I think you would have said the same thing about Cade Klubnik the year before. So there's something about those type of players in this setting that you expect them to rise to the occasion. So to me, that makes it very clear. I think I have two dogs in this race. I think that's CJ Carr, who I expect to perform at a very high level. And I think that's Aaron Nolan as well. The The wild card for me is Chroman I'm just... That being said, we have not talked a lot about Rayola, and every <laughs> time I watch <laughs> Rayola, I have zero questions. He he just makes it look so effortless and natural. To me, though, like the well, four names that we just mentioned, that's what the, that's those are the four, regardless of the order, that I
1: expect to
0: really kind of be jockeying for a position all week.
1: I didn't know we'd get here in the Elite 11 preview podcast, right? But if if Rayola is, you know, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, right? I mean, everything I've heard about him is the kid wants to hold on to the number one ranking. And he does not want to let go of that number one ranking. And I think we're going to see a little bit of that. And I think there's some added some added motivation, right? I mean, you got Ryan Puglisi who's also headed to Georgia. He's going to be throwing right next to you. Two other names, Cooper, we haven't talked about. Jaden Davis, or we haven't brought them up, really. Michigan commit, coming off a prolific junior season there and and Charlotte. A Gatorade North Carolina Player of the Year. Max Preps, North Carolina Player of the Year. I'd be interested to hear what you're feeling on him coming into this thing. Uh, and then Julian Sayin, kid from the Golden State alabama commit you know greg biggins been talking with him uh our, our our correspondent our our guru out out there on the west coast um who has worked these elite 11 camps in the past he said julian sayings throwing the the football the best he's ever seen it i think julian sayings also got some cockiness to him you know i i don't think we can discount those guys either
0: jane davis to me is in a Interesting position because this is the first time that I think we've done an awarded 32 five-stars as early as we have. Correct me if I'm wrong there.
1: No, you're right. Yeah.
0: And he's one of those guys that he's sitting there at 29. We've seen him in Atlanta the last two years at the Elite 11 Regionals. And he didn't have a great sophomore year. We knew he was talented, but in terms of production standpoint, he really didn't. I want to say he was hovering around... It's below 60% completion rate. Yeah. 13 and 1 this past year, right? At at, at Providence Day. Yeah. Gatorade player of the year in North Carolina. Max preps, player of the year in North Carolina. Completes 72% of his passers. He's an elite short to intermediate passer. That that might not be the sexiest description of a quarterback, but it's I love a, the fit at it, Michigan.
1: It, it's an accurate description. That's what he is. Correct. That
0: being said, like in terms of meat on the bone. Physical development yet to materialize. There's not a lot left. Like Jaden Davis, I don't want to put him in a box, but in terms of the physical development, it is what he is. Six foot and a half, he's hovered around 200 pounds. I don't think his weight really fluctuated that much in the last year or so. I think he gained five pounds. Seeing him in Atlanta, there's some other guys, and I mentioned that that group of names there, Carr, Lagway, Croman oak Nolan, you can put in that category as well, that are really going to challenge where Jaden Davis falls in the grand scheme of things. And I think Jaden Davis is in a position right now where he is going to have to perform very well to maintain his top 32
1: ranking. I think that's a great way to put it. Physically, he's not going to match up with some of these guys. He's not going to have the arm that some of them do. And, you know, he 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 looks already somewhat maxed out. He looks like a middle infielder. You could convince me that he plays second base in, in the minor league somewhere.
0: In regards to Julian saying, you know, we have Brown and saying 33 and 34. You got two California signal callers, both in Southern California, that I think are going to be linked together for a very long time we talked about the resume with brown being 29 and one at modern day i don't think these guys are very different physically from a toolkit standpoint that being said greg biggins who's one of the guys that we respect the most especially when it comes to quarterbacks he's very high on on julian sand I see these guys kind of as a wash. Like I I see it more as depending on what your personal preference is, you could go either way with Elijah Brown or Julian Saiyan. I see both those guys top end as top sixty four players, bottom end as top one hundred players. I see him closer to sixty four than I do to thirty-two. But I like both of them.
1: Saiyan's another guy I have circled as excited to see want to see what he does because when i went back and i studied him i, I liked him more than when i initially studied him right on, on the on the second watch i was like all right i'm a guy that can throw the deep ball has experience working under center which you know what does that mean right now? I, I I don't know, but like, I think Alabama wants to get back to being a smash mouth team up front. You know, with Tommy Reese there. I don't know. I'm 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 just you know excited to see him. What another LSU commit, Colin Hurley? You know, has been a a tricky evaluation as he reclassifies from 2025 to 2024. um and he's brought this up. You know, he's already played a lot of varsity games. I think the number he's played is... I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling. You know, 23 starts over two years. Uh, did miss some time. You want to talk about someone who's built for this? I mean, he's a quarterback protege, right? Like, it's a skilled position, and he's been coached. I think he works with five different quarterback coaches. You know, he's headed to play for Joe Sloan, friend of the podcast. I would not be surprised if... Um, they have this rail shot challenge where you got to push the ball down the sidelines, uh, make a re- really hard throw. Like I-, I think he could absolutely win that event on Wednesday night. Uh, so he's another one uh, as well.
0: I, I I expect him to perform well. Him and Trevor Jackson. I think we're still waiting on a accurate birthday update on Colin Hurley, but either him or Trevor Jackson is the youngest right in the field. Th- those are the two youngest. Colin Hurley, to me, is a guy, when you turn on the combine tape, it does not match up with what you see on the game tape. Yes. There are flashes of what we see in the combine setting, but the consistency is a little bit of a question mark, right? 53% as a passer, over 1,400 yards, 16-5 to 5 TD to INT. And I think a lot of people, especially a lot of the people that support LSU football, maybe a little bit i don't want to say bewildered but let's just use that word for lack of a better term right now when we had to re-rank Colin Hurley after he reclassified from 2025 to 2024. But this was a player at the time that I believe the last updated height we had on him, he was under six foot. He had a a sub fifty five percent completion rate and he had a 16 to five T D INT. And he was going to be one of the youngest signal callers in his class. So Man. I think all, all all the clay is there for Colin Hurley. I think it's the physical, excuse me, not the physical but the the maturation on the football field that we have yet to see match the ability.
1: Coop on, on top of those passing numbers, he's the only finalist uh, so the only one of these 20 quarterbacks with negative rushing yards over his career at the prep level. Find that interesting.
0: Which just Which just goes to show that he is a he's a pocket passer. Right. That's not that's not part of his game in terms of the duality of a running threat. So he's a fascinating one. Drew, I feel like we have hit on potentially every quarterback outside of a handful of them. And and there are more. There's 20 arms here and we're going fifty two minutes. And you know what I loved about this one? We didn't even really have a script. Which always end up being the best, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Are we golfing
1: when we're out there? Is that happening? I think we're going
0: to try to, I think, uh, once I get off of this podcast, I might have to, to make a call. You're the one with the connections out there in Southern California. When no, 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 to, the, no, no, to no, golf no. World. So no. we'll see if we can get that done. Drew, any, any last thoughts, maybe anything that you didn't hit on? I mean, we covered a lot of ground here, um, uh, before we get out of here.
1: Um, yeah, I just encourage listeners, man, to, to stay locked to 24 seven sports. I mean, me and you are going to be out there. We have, we're going to have a team of people. Um, the YouTube channel, or is it page, page or channel? I, I can't remember. Channel. channel. YouTube channel. We're going to have some live hits, ton of video uh, coming out of uh, Redondo Beach, right? High school, Union High School. Um, and then the OT7 finals are going on as well, right? So uh, there are some other big-name quarterbacks that are also going to be out in Los Angeles. They aren't going to be here, uh, but they will be playing – uh games so it's gonna be nice to kind of you know stack and and see all these individuals and then see some of these skilled players it's it's gonna be a fun few days, man I can't wait nice uh, how long is your flight five hours uh, I think
0: I don't yeah five five and a half i mean that's a that's a trot over there to southern california i'm I'm right behind you, but for Andrew Ivans, our 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagna. Before we get out of here, guys, make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. Make sure also to leave a rating in a review. If you have any questions, that is the place to do it. Like I said, for our 24-7 Sports team over here, producer Lance Glenn, we appreciate you guys listening. Make sure to tune in all week to Elite 11 coverage on 247sports.com and wherever you are. Thanks for listening.
1: CBS Friday.